Good Friday. Good evening, everybody. I call you blessed, all you all out in the fellowship hall that are just making your way in. Come on in and have a seat. We're going to have, I believe, a great Good Friday service tonight. So we thank you for being here, all of you here with us and all of you online. So glad that you're able to connect this way and be a part of this service. And uh, we are going to be showing a couple of videos tonight, and sometimes we have difficulties with YouTube uh, blacking out a certain video here and there. So we pray that that, we don't ever know for sure until uh, it's happening. So we pray that, and you pray as well, nothing stands in the way of the message that has to be delivered tonight. So I call you blessed. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will just get right into our service. Amen? Father, we give you honor and glory. We thank you for sending your Son to die on a cross for us, to take upon his shoulders the penalty of our sins instead of us having to be penalized, for taking upon his shoulders the wages of death so that we don't have to for taking upon his shoulders all of our sins as though they were his, his sins, and yet he was completely sinless and pure. And so, Father, thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes will have everlasting life. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Tonight, I pray that you are honored and that we remember you tonight, Lord, not in a solemn, forlorn, in a forlorn funeral type way, but to take it seriously, but to celebrate what this is really all about. And so I pray for your anointing, Lord. I pray that you'll anoint the ear of every hearer to hear whatever it is that you'd have said and for them to receive. I pray that you'll anoint the mind of every receiver there Lord God, to be able to understand and comprehend and to have revelation in the heart and also, Lord, that you would open supernaturally all the hearts to receive everything that you have in store for them today. We don't want to leave nothing behind. Give us this day our daily bread. Here on Friday, Good Friday, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what is Good Friday? And why in the world is today called Good Friday? Because, you know, it's in relationship to what was actually a very horrible and violent occurrence in history, and yet it's called Good Friday. Well, just technically, it's a Christian holiday commemorating the crucifixion of Jesus and commemorating and remembering his death at Calvary. Uh, It's known by a few different names across the globe. Of course, Good Friday. It's known as uh, Great and Holy Friday. It's also known in some cases, believe it or not, as Black Friday. Uh, You know, I think that probably the commercial world has taken that over with Black Friday in November or December or August, whenever they're doing it now, so... But the term Good Friday is not actually a biblical term. You won't find that term in the Bible. What the Bible does call today is the day 
the Passover was sacrificed. That's what it speaks about. So is Good Friday the right word, or is the day of the Passover sacrifice the right word? Well, actually, I think both of them are fitting, and both of them are quite frankly correct. Every other Friday in the year is just Friday. It's just Friday. But this Friday stands alone because it's a commemoration of the day that the Passover lamb was sacrificed. You can use TGIF on any other Friday of the year, but today, because as believers we understand what's going on, we can actually say, thank God it's Friday. Amen? Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. And why can we say, thank God it's Friday? Because above all other Fridays in the year, we take pause today to remember. And we are not going to put our focus on remembering his death, but remembering his finished work at the cross of Calvary. That is what we can commemorate and rejoice over. Because he's not dead. Hmm? As uh, S.M. Lockridge said, it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. So this is where we need to put our focus tonight. I would like for us to put our focus on Jesus, what he accomplished while on the cross at Calvary. Most Good Friday services are done in a very solemn, sober um, non-exuberant fashion. And I understand that, and I'm bringing a part of that to this Good Friday service because I also love tradition and that part of it. But I also recognize that this isn't a day for forlornness. This isn't a day for long faces. This is a day for those who are believers in Jesus Christ to proclaim with a shout of exuberant celebration, Thank God it's Friday! <laughs> Amen. Last words. Last words are pretty important. Someone's going to be executed, they're usually asked, you have any last words? Usually last words um, depict what's actually in a person's heart, whether good or whether bad. Todd Beamer, you may not remember Todd Beamer, but he... Uh, was one of the people that tried to gain control of the hijacked aircraft 993 on 9-11. His last words have gone down in infamy. Let's roll. You may remember those. We know what was in his heart and in his mind. Frank Sinatra, speaking to his wife at his bedside just before he took his last breath, said, "I'm, I'm losing it. John Belushi, Just before he took the fatal dose, his last words were, don't leave me alone. Last words are pretty profound. What about about the last words of Jesus? His last words. I want to take a brief look tonight at the seven last words of Jesus. And I know that many ministers have probably preached a message around the last words and what every drop of blood meant and so forth, but I want to give you what my take on it and what the Lord inspired in my heart. I think there's some very profound things here for us to discover. 
Number one, it's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 33 through 34. And it says, when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. These last words that I want us to focus on for a moment are, Father, forgive them. In the midst of being crucified, he didn't, he didn't think of himself. He didn't fight back. He thought of you and thought of me. He thought of others. The word forgive here is an interesting word because it doesn't just talk about a single isolated, not necessarily event, but expression of the word. It actually speaks of it as a word that's being spoken in a repetitive action. I can just almost imagine in my my mind's eye, Jesus saying at the moment they drove a nail into his hand, Father, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I, I can almost imagine that when they drove the nail in his feet, that he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're up to. They don't know who I am. They don't understand what they're doing. I can only imagine when they drove that thorn crown of thorns into his head that he was saying, Father, forgive them. When they scoffed him and mocked him, I can just imagine our Savior saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know who I am. They don't have a revelation of who I am. They don't know what they're doing when they spat upon him. You know, it's a profound thing to consider that while he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise if you're going <laughs> to. Hallelujah. So he said, Father, forgive them. Second thing he said, we can find it in Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And here it is. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuses at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And what I want to focus on for just a moment is truly, I say to you, Jesus was conveying a message that you can count on what he's saying, that what he's saying is reliable, it's truly, without question, it's for certain, it's absolute, absolutely. He says, truly, I say to you. But There's another really cool word there, and it's the word you, because this is, you know, sometimes we can use the word you in an understood kind of way that it's encompassing everyone. But in this case, it is both direct and encompassing. It's saying you and you. At the very same moment that he was speaking these words to the thief, he was speaking it to all of mankind for all time. He's saying that you can count on whatever he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God are yes in Him, 
and amen in him for the glory of God.
<laughs> Praise God. So the third thing out of the seven things that Jesus had to say is pretty interesting. It's in John chapter 19, verses 26 through 27, where he says this, When Jesus therefore saw his mother, <laughs> and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Even in the middle of fulfilling his heavenly destiny, he didn't forget about his earthly responsibilities. He made certain that his mom would not be a homeless widow with no one to take care of. He said, Mom, look at John. Now he's your son. And I had to believe with all my heart that that was a heartbreaking moment for Jesus on the cross. It had to have been a heartbreaking moment for Mary as well as she saw her son up there in the turmoil and the pain and the suffering that he had gone through. But for him to say, Mom, I want you to look at John. He's now your son. And John, look at my mom. She's now your mother. I'm going to trust you to take care of her for the rest of your life. Pretty profound. Number four, the fourth thing that Jesus said is found in Matthew 27, verse 46, where it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think that there's a possibility that we miss the profoundness of this statement. Earlier, when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. He doesn't say Father right here. Something had changed in the relationship. He didn't call out for Father. He said, My God, my God. Something had changed, as if being crucified wasn't enough, as if the heartbreak of having to say goodbye to his mom wasn't enough. The greatest pain that Jesus felt while on the cross that day was a moment of separation between Jesus and God the Father. At that very moment, all of your sins, at that very moment in this setting, all of my sins, all of the sins of mankind were now named his sins. The wages of sin is death and separation. And Jesus experienced it that in moment, in that moment. And I think we often miss the point of one address. He says, Father, forgive them. And the next address was, My God, 
That brings us to number five, and it's in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 29, and it says, after, and this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. After this, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that Scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Jesus was not only 100% God. He was also, also 100% man. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the 14th verse of that same chapter, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You need to know that Jesus' Jesus's suffering was real. It was real. He didn't go through the crucifixion experience as a supernatural deity, per se. He went through the, cruci the crucifixion experience as a man, as a human. He felt the pain. He went through the turmoil. He went through it as a man. He experienced the pain and suffering. He experienced the heartbreak. He experienced the sadness. And even his body, being without fluids for the day, and through all the turmoil and the beatings and everything that he had gone through with carrying the cross and no, nothing to drink, his body was experiencing the effects of dehydration. And he said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is also able to aid those who are tempted, those who are suffering. We can take great comfort in the fact that Jesus did not go to the cross as God. He went to the cross as man, like you and me. He knows what you're going through. He sees every tear. He knows every heartache. He hears every sigh. He understands. That verse goes on to tell us the sixth thing, the sixth thing out of the seven that Jesus had to say on the cross. And it says in verse 30, he says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished is from an amazing Greek word. I've taught on it before, but it's an amazing Greek word to telestai. And it has, <coughs> excuse me, it has multiple meanings that we can grasp from this word. It means the work's done, and the work is perfect, the work is complete, the receipt is paid in full, the debt is paid. There's more in this word to telestai than just it is finished. The receipt is paid in full, and the debt is paid. Woo! <laughs> All right, so that's six of the final words of Jesus. Here's number seven. It's in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. When Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I want to draw your attention to something really special. Remember that when he was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And then at that moment when all of sin was laid upon his shoulders, 
that particular part of his relationship was broken. And he said, my God. But once again, <laughs> once again, he says, Daddy, Papa God, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. We serve a God of restoration. We serve a God of repair. We, we serve a God of mending broken bridges, broken hearts, broken spirits. We serve a God of repair and restoration. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance. He can repair a broken heart. He can repair your broken heart. He can mend your broken spirit. He can bring healing to broken relationships. He can bring healing to breaking relationships that are in the process of breaking. He can bring repair. And friends, this is why we commemorate today. This is why we, we don't commemorate today to look upon the cross with sadness. I understand the concept that it could be called Black Friday based on the violent horror of the period and the time and the day. But for those of us who are the redeemed of the Lord, we can look at that cross and realize the gift and the blessing that his death brought us. And we know, <coughs> excuse me, that our God is alive and well. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of days because thank God it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> Every other Friday is just a, another Friday in the year, but this Friday stands alone. This Friday stands above and beyond every other one because it's a commemoration, not of the death of Jesus specifically, but of the Passover lamb that was sacrificed, of Jesus himself, of remembering what he accomplished at the cross. And it certainly is a day where you and I can say, thank God, it's Friday. Can you give the Lord a praise in the house? We're going to receive communion together, and we were handing out these communion elements as you came in. If anyone did not get a communion element, would you please raise your hand high? Our ushers uh, will be happy to bring that to you. Is there, yeah, right over here, is, we have one. Is there any other? Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter um, 11, Verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. That the Lord on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And there's a, a loaf of bread right there. I know it's here as a symbol of what we're doing because here they're in this top layer. If you're very, very, very careful... You can pull off the cellophane layer first. Try to do that because if you pull the tab, 
you'll open the grape juice, and you will have a hard time getting the wafer out after that, I'm just saying. So if you'll peel that cellophane layer back, that wafer will come out. This is the day that we remember. The Lord, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, and we'll get to it, so hang on just for a second. We're going to take it all together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I know that's the wording there, but it's not a proclamation that the Lord is dead. It's a proclamation and a celebration of what was accomplished at his death. Because we know that Sunday's coming. So we can celebrate this not looking at the cross in remorse and sadness and grief, but we could look at this as a symbol of his body that was broken for you and for me. Stripes upon his back for our healing. Chastisement of our peace upon him. And we can look at this wafer representing the body of Jesus and we can remember his death. Each of you individually. I know what he saved me from. I'm in love with my Jesus. I can't tell this story. I can't, I can't preach this crucifixion message and not be broken in my heart because I know what it meant to me. And I bet you know what it means to you and you and you. And I bet it's different in some way, shape, or manner for each and every one of us. So, Father, we thank you for sending your Son to die for us. We remember in a personal way what this truly means. We don't take it, Lord, out of ritual or ceremony, but based on all that we've heard and experienced tonight, our hearts are even more endeared to you in a real special way. And so, Lord, thank you for saving me. I speak for each of us now. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving yourself to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can peel very carefully. Peel the rest back. If you try to force it, you'll be wearing grape juice. Just saying. You see the care I had to do in taking that off? This represents his blood. And it's not just a blood, the blood that forgives us of our sins. Praise God for that, amen? It's not just the blood that washes us whiter than the snow. Praise God for that, but it's the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant. I've been preaching that message to you in various forms for a number of weeks. I want you to remember that this is a sign of the new covenant, that you are forgiven, 
that you have become the righteousness of God. That he has forgotten all of your sins and he's thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. That he's taken your sins and he's removed them from himself as far as the east is from the west. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a pretty long piece. He did that for you on the cross. And so, Lord, we don't look at this in solemn reflection, but we look in the, at this in the reflection of praise and celebration that because of your blood, we are free. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Traditionally, Good Friday services are established to leave in silence. We're not going to leave in silence. But we are going to leave in remembrance of what he's done for us. And I pray that this has blessed you tonight. I pray that the Lord bless you and that he keep you, and that he look upon you with favor, and he strengthen you, his face, may you see his face and his light shine before you, may you find strength in all that you do, and may you experience the peace of the Lord, especially as you leave this place tonight, in Jesus' name, amen.